Hello and welcome back to Tapping Into Crypto, the podcast for all things cryptocurrency. It is so good to have you all here with us and some more interesting news in the market this week with a very interesting crypto catch-up coming up. Today, we have one of your favorite segments, What I Wish I Knew, and we have an incredible guest for you today, Liam Shepard, who is Brisbane-based. He's a carpenter and also the tour manager for an incredible band, Shepard. He joins us to chat about all things crypto and, of course, what he wished he knew before he started. We chat through using macroeconomics to choose your next investment, taking profits to invest in real estate, and the early project he invested in at 15 cents and exited at $20. So whether you're a beginner, a Bitcoin veteran, or just crypto curious, I am your host, Alicia Chapman, and this is Tapping Into Crypto. Welcome to the podcast, Liam Shepard. It is so good to have you here with us today. Great to be here. Been listening for a little while and uh, yeah, it's great to be on the other side of the microphone. Very exciting and very exciting to drive into your story today. Before we do, for those that don't follow you or haven't seen your story, what does a day in your life currently look like? Well, that changes a lot. I'm a carpenter, which I spend a fair bit of time doing maintenance on houses around Brisbane just smaller stuff. Also tour manager for a band. So when I'm not doing that, I'm on the road. I'm also about to launch an app. So I spend every other time with that. And I've been buying a couple of houses and renovating them over the last few years. So in between all of that, I do that as well. Very cool. And a band that uh, some of our listeners may indeed know, which band are you tour manager for? Uh, Shepherd. So yeah, we're actually going down the to Kingscliff tonight for a show and we've been supporting Delta Goodrum for the last two weeks and another two weeks to go. So it's exciting. Been playing Rod Laver Arena and some big shows. It's been epic and so good to have you guys out and about again, you know, after COVID and a few crazy years to actually have live music back is just, I know everyone is so excited for that. So it's really cool to see you guys doing your thing again. Oh, it's great to be on the road and just seeing the crowd and there's about 7,000 at Rod Laver on last Saturday night, which was incredible to be a part of. Oh, good. Just all the good vibes. Yeah. Now, we're going to be chatting, of course, about all things crypto today and what you wish you knew before you started yourself. The very first question that we ask everyone to the podcast, of course, is what was your very first crypto purchase? I bought Chainlink in August 2019, I think it was, listening to a podcast called London Real. And they had someone who I now don't follow any of his advice on. And uh, he mentioned crypto. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've heard of it. I haven't really dug into it at all. But I think I first heard of it when Bitcoin Pizza Day happened and they bought two pizzas for an obscene amount of Bitcoin. And um wish I got into it then. But yeah, Chainlink at 15 cents or whatever it was, was probably not that bad either. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I was just pulling up the, the price of Link while we were chatting about that. And yeah. yeah, 15 cents done pretty well. Did you hang on to it? Uh, I sold it about 20 in mid last year. So that's-, that's probably one of the only things I've really sold. Yeah. I just actually dug deep into it and I'm like, well, Oracle doesn't really need a token. The developers pretty much say that in the white paper. Um, why do they even have one? And the developers are selling as fast as they can. So why shouldn't I? So <laughs> I, <laughs> I got out at pretty much the top. I think it would have been within about two days. 
I yeah. can believe it. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is insane. And guys, if you haven't looked at Link lately, it's sitting currently at 17 US dollars as we're recording. Okay, so it's about where I sold it, I think. Yeah, yeah. Had, had a bit of a bumpy ride there along the way though. Um, yeah. but a huge, huge curve upwards. That's epic. And so Link itself, what made you purchase that in the first place? Because usually when we talk to people, first one's always Bitcoin, ETH, you know, classic that everyone gets into. What made you purchase this one? It was the only coin he mentioned in the podcast. <laughs> so I was listening to it at work, had the headphones in while I was building. And at Smoko, I signed up to a Coinbase account. And within 15 minutes, I bought some and I was like, oh, okay, now what do I do? And uh, yeah, spent the next couple of weeks looking around, trying to figure out how to sell it, if I could sell it and all that sort of stuff. And realized I couldn't link a Australian bank account to Coinbase to sell. Yes. So I spent the next weekend trying to figure out what exchanges could and I ended up with SwiftX and have only used that since. Oh, good. See, guys, there's a reason. We help everybody. (laughs) uh, But it is so funny, like back in that day, like it was finally becoming easy to buy things, but selling was always that issue, which just meant naturally that so many people held without meaning to hold and um, ended up in great positions if they they forgot about it. Yeah, true. But uh, no, definitely happy with what I'm doing. Good exit strategy. Yeah. So going on from there, how did you teach yourself about crypto? Like how did you learn back in those early stages? Uh, YouTube and podcasts because of earmuffs on most of the day. I just have one headphone in and I think my YouTube premium account has roughly seven hours a day of listening. (laughs) Yeah. So it's not just at work. Uh, Before work, after work, I always have a headphone in just listening to something on yeah Spotify, YouTube just always listening to something. Always yeah. learning. I love that. Do you have any faves? Anyone that you regularly go to? I like Mark Moss. He has some pretty good macroeconomic stuff. Uh, Emil Kalinowski and Jeff Snyder, they do one on Alhambra Investments called Making Sense. That's very mm-hmm. macro about like the Fed, Euro dollar, all of that sort of bit more next level type things, not just buy this crypto. And yeah. George Gammon, he's great as well. And so like leaning into that, and that's a really great segue to chat about your investment strategy, because it sounds like you're looking at more macro trends rather than, you know, playing the charts or or doing any technical analysis there. Yeah. I uh, have been listening to a few guys. One of them was showing this chart of, well, probably not a chart because he's very much against technical analysis, but uh, he's gone through and they've back-tested technical analysis to see how accurate it is. And it's 30% accurate from what they have found. So you're like, well, whatever they say, just do the opposite and you're 20% more likely to be right. So I was like, well, okay, I'm I'm not going to sit there and do all the hours of work figuring that out, but I'm happy just to buy and hold five-year minimum game plan. I've sold a couple of staking rewards here and there just to get myself by when I've bought a house last year. So I need a bit to renovate that one. So I Got rid of a few staking rewards and yeah, put it into the house. Uh, good, good move, good timing. Yeah, as well, that was I'm yeah, sure. couldn't meet any better with that one either. Done pretty well in the last two years with my investment strategy. But uh, yeah, and, and, and yeah, really, really fun market to be. In. And I think like going back to technical analysis, we've had a few incredible guests on the podcast chatting about it. And I think as well, like it is so hard to apply technical analysis to crypto. Like it was something that was built for things that, you know, had a bit more structure around mm. it. And when you would try to apply those same analytics to crypto, it's such a volatile market with so many new players. So it doesn't really adhere to any rules. So, you know, of course, there's some things you can lean on and it is right in some instances. Yeah. But then, you know, something like Dogecoin, 
you could never predict that it would do well. No, or you can never pick that China's going to ban mining in March last year and it just falls 50%. Like, that's never going to be in a chart. So what do you do? Like, you can somewhat look at it and go, okay, there's some sort of resistance here, but they're very illiquid coins on illiquid exchanges and it makes things very volatile. Yeah. And still, even so, the whole crypto space, like sometimes it doesn't even make sense. Like, you know, a few crypto catch-ups ago when we're doing our market update, there was so much positive news coming out. You know, there was so many good news stories, so many advancements with the tech, and we were still seeing the market just go sideways or shift. And so even sometimes in the crypto world, looking at that bigger picture, it still is something that at the moment today, I think still is so hard to predict is what's going to happen. You just have to have that bigger picture view. Oh, for sure. And like, there's some amazing things coming out as we speak with Exxon in Texas, like now capturing all their flared gas and turning it into electricity for Bitcoin mining and Terra buying up billions of dollars of Bitcoin and the price is finally moving up, which is a good sign. But I'm uh, in the middle of selling a property and I would like a little bit to put in. So if it could stay flat for another couple of months, I'd be really happy. <laughs> and I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast is just wishing the exact opposite to you. <laughs> oh yeah, like either way, I'm happy. I've I've still got a fair bit in the market that I'm. If it goes up, I'm not going to be complaining. That's for sure. <laughs> no, not at all. It's always that catch twenty two. We wish you could buy more when it's at that dip. We never. Yeah, know. definitely. So good. And so moving into like new currencies and and new projects that you want to invest in. How do you choose where to invest? Probably through listening to people on YouTube and stuff like that. I'd never just go in and buy straight away, but just to hear the names of them and maybe get some sort of oversight. I'm fairly heavily into Cardano. Started buying that like early 2020. So somewhere between two and 15 cents, which was uh, quite a good move. So I'm sort of looking into that ecosystem a bit more and I probably should be spending a bit more time in the Cosmos ecosystem because that seems to be doing really well with some great projects. But yeah, usually just word of mouth, people suggesting a few things and I'll spend a bit of time looking into them and usually chuck a couple of bucks into it. Then I've got some invested interest to actually look. Yep. So put 50 bucks in and you know, well, it's sitting there in my portfolio now. If I see it every time I look at it, let's figure out what it does. But I'm probably moving a lot more into the AI base. Yeah. And I'd love to, to chat about that because you just mentioned like, you know, some really cool advancements that are happening with a couple of projects before. What have you seen in the AI space? Singularity Net is probably one of the most amazing projects, just hands down over everything, just with the amount of layers of projects that are coming out underneath them. Like I think Singularity DAO was the first one. So they've got these investment pools that as of this week now have shorting available and they're doing about 17% better than the tokens that they're tracking. So they're buying and selling and now shorting. And to be 17% better per year on top of something that's already doing Bitcoin 200%. Like, I'm happy to sit a bit in there. NewNet is the next one that just come out. They're doing uh, shared computing resources. Mm-hmm. So anything with a computer, you can pretty much take some of their dormant resources and use them as your computing power. Rejuve is the next one I think is coming out, which will be amazing. They're trying to uh, cure the disease of aging, which... Right. Doesn't sound like a disease, but if, uh, if they say it is and they think they can cure it, then well, I'll be all over it. So, yeah, I'm sure it will be as well. <laughs> yeah. From what I've read, their app will link to fitness devices like your Whoop Band or your Apple Watch. And for you giving your data 
anonymously to them, you are mining rewards. So they have like a proof of existence type model, I think it might be called. If not, they should change it to that because that's a great name. <laughs> from now on, Liam named it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, just things like that. I'm glad you can get them all with SwiftX and I'm not having to go on to other decentralized exchanges and stuff. It just makes it so easy. You know, I can't get new net and stuff, but uh, you can do that all through the Singularity platform. And guys, as always, not financial advice. Not financial advice, advice at all. <laughs> just Liam's personal story, but some pretty epic stories and a cheeky, shameless plug for SwiftX. So also <laughs> love that. Thanks, Liam. It's so good. But again, like looking back at those ones that you've just mentioned, I think it's a great reminder that it's not just what the market's doing and, and trying to, you know, see a return or a reward. It's actually investing in this tech. And that's what we keep coming back to, even when the market's down. Like that tech is not going anywhere. And these projects or companies, if they were shared, you'd invest in them because the tech is so good and you know there's a purpose and a need for it, especially if they've got a great team. So love the mention of a few of those and definitely the ones that you can get on SwiftX. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Liam, you mentioned at the start Link and the journey that you went on with that and it was a pretty great return for you. Are there any other wins or losses that you'd be opening to share with our listeners? Uh, in the crypto space, yeah, I... Probably just my entire portfolio about getting in and having like a somewhat long-term horizon. So I'm not in and out in three months or whatever, like anything like that. So over the 18 to 24 months, it's been a, I don't know how many X, like my returns have been amazing. But yeah, buying Cardano at five to 12 cents and it hitting $3 something US, that's an incredible win. Didn't sell any. So on a paper win, definitely that. Been a couple with VeChain. I think it was like under a cent selling for 25 cents. Yep. A few things like that that I did actually sell my VeChain to put into the renovation of the house. So as an actual physical win, I would have to say VeChain would be up there with the biggest. And super interesting project as well. I do love VeChain. Yeah. Is there anything that you exited too early or anything that you regret getting out of? Not particularly. I haven't really sold much. Uh, if I'm in, it's a five-year play. I'm not trying to time the market and looking for at least a full halving cycle of Bitcoin and probably longer. Hopefully, I'll just be taking my staking rewards and not ever touching the initial investment. Good strategy. Yeah. Good strategy. Especially, uh, again, if you believe in this for the long term and you have actually done your research on all the things that stand behind blockchain and crypto, you know, there's no yeah. reason to get out because it's not going anywhere except for up. Yeah. All of us that do believe in <laughs> which is good. Amazing. And going back to when you first started, a lot of people, their answer to this question is, oh, I just wish I knew to buy more. <laughs> but is there anything that you'd go back and tell yourself or wish you knew when you first started your crypto journey? Yeah, probably get out of the echo chamber. So Link was my first purchase, but I think XRP would have been my second. And there's a very big echo chamber of the XRP army that just believe in it so heavily that you can't not be persuaded into thinking it's going to do something. And finally managed to get myself out of just listening to the positives. And it would have been probably a couple of months before that lawsuit hit in end of 2020. And yeah, I was like, oh, actually, uh, why is XRP relevant? We have liquidity pools. I think the technology's maybe starting to pass it by. Like they got some banking relationships, but the banks aren't using it. Like you hear all this positive stuff and it's just maybe you actually have to look at it with a bit more of a skeptical eye on every single thing. And uh once I did that, I've tried to really push the negative on everything I hold. Which is sometimes hard because <laughs> you like get emotionally invested and you're like, I don't want to hear this, but 
think it's definitely better to hear it early than to hear it too late when everyone was trying to scream it at you. Yeah. And I think as well, like going back to, you know, when you were talking about where you get your information from, just making sure that they are really credible sources. Like it's so easy to get also caught up in the hype on Reddit or Facebook. And all of those people mostly have a vested interest in themselves and their own progress with a particular project. So, you know, if something doesn't look good on paper, they're probably not going to share that if they hold it. They're going to be, oh yeah, but look at this and look at that. So it is so hard to, you know, step away from that noise. But I think going back to having those credible resources is such an important tip. Yeah, definitely. I think if there was one resource that everyone has to read would be um, Economics in One Lesson by Henry Hazlitt. It's an audio book. It's on YouTube. It's free. It's a long lesson. It's like eight hours of audio. And it's very dry. But I think I've listened to it about seven times. And if you can understand that book, everything will just become so clear. And you'll look at different projects in that light and go, okay, now I see why that's possible. Like They might have a, this use case, it's great. But if you can bring it back to yeah, that Henry Hazlitt book, then you'll be like, yeah, that's actually going to do something. And I can see it in the long term. I'll pop that in the show notes for anyone listening so they can go and check it out. What do you think your biggest takeaway was from that? What shifted after you listened to that and really dove into that economic side? Um, I think it's just the the unseen costs of pretty much a government program. So yeah, they might be trying to incentivize people to be doing this, but they're not looking at magnitude of effects that are negative because they're trying to... I think in Europe, there's a few countries that only allow 50% of the farmland to be farmed. So farmers will go in and buy 100 acres of land, but they only allow 50 to be farmed and then they get a government incentive for the other 50%. And you're like, so the taxpayers are paying 50% just to not farm 50%. And now there's like a food shortage and it's a two-year turnaround to get that fixed. Or the broken window fallacy. I'm not sure if you no, know that no. one. Explain that one to us. Um, broken window fallacy is a guy goes past the soup maker's shop and throws a rock through the window. Yeah, And the guy goes, oh, well, that's great because then it gives the glazier a job and he gets to use the money to pay for his family and they can buy food now and all that sort of stuff. But then you're like, well, no, but it was fine to begin with. And the suit maker had the money already and he could have used it to expand his business and create a benefit for the rest of the community. But you see this one event as a positive for this guy, but it's actually a negative for this whole chain of people. Mm-hmm. That's probably not a great explanation and it, Henry Hazlitt does it a lot better. But uh, I think if you, yeah, I think if you sort of picture it in that way, there's always unseen consequences in everything in economics. Yeah, definitely. And I think you can draw a parallel back to what you were just talking about in, you know, thinking with a critical mind and critical thought pattern. Like if you take that one scenario, if you had a media outlet covering that, they would push perhaps the agenda that suits them, which might be that this glazier gets a job and that's the noise. And that's what we're hearing about is all this positive stuff for this glazier. When if you actually look at it with a critical mind, then perhaps there's more to the story, which what if it had never happened in the first place? Yeah. And he could have bought more material and made suits cheaper for the entire community or whatever it was. I love that. Could have bought it more in bulk. There's always another outcome to every story. It could have been. So good. We're going deep today, guys. So I will pop that all in the show notes. If you're interested and wanted to start thinking about these other lenses as well, uh, definitely some great resources to check out. So we'll pop them in there. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Liam. It has been epic chatting to you. If people want to connect with you after the pod, say, hey, reach out, say thank you so much for opening their eyes. Where can they do that? I run a Telegram group that is somewhat smallish, about 100 people in it at the moment. It's BNEFI, so Brisbane Financial Independence. Join that. That'd be great. I don't do a lot on Instagram or Twitter or anything. I'm a bit of a silent worker occasionally, but that's about it. Try to stay off it as much as possible. But uh, yeah, if you get some people that are like-minded and want to get in there and contribute, it's obviously a bit quiet when the markets are down, but hopefully it starts picking back up again. It's uh, hard to keep bringing different articles to people that are losing money, I guess. Oh, it's so tough. And I think everyone just puts their head in the sand. We know a lot of our listeners do as well, because you just don't want to hear it, especially if you've got that conviction for the long term. You're like, oh, yeah, all right. I'll just forget about crypto for a little while. And when it's good again, I'll come back. So we're starting to see lots of you come back now. We're so excited to have you here. And guys, like I think as well, the biggest takeaway as well, there's so much in this episode, but just really remembering the tech and why you're in all of this, because that will get you through all the bumpy patches as well. Yeah, definitely. There's, uh, There's a lot of future in all of crypto. So be a part of it. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Liam. And we will talk to you very soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us for today's show. If you liked it, don't forget to head over to the gram and join us at Tapping Into Crypto. And before we finish up, just a general disclaimer that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. And the opinions on this podcast belong to individuals and are not affiliated with any companies mentioned. Any advice is general in nature and does not take into account your own personal situation. If you're looking to get advice, please seek out the help of a licensed financial advisor. We'll talk to you soon. 